0: this is the going in circles podcast hosted by horseman chuck simon to become a sponsor to suggest topics or for questions email going in circles podcast at gmail.com and log on to our facebook
1: page going in circles podcast here's your host chuck simon
0: Welcome to Mondays Going in Circles. With me is our Monday guest. I actually I probably should just refer to him as our Monday co host, Mr. Barry Spears. Barry, how are you? Good, good, doing good.
1: How you doing, man? It's a, uh, a not so regular Monday, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, I'm uh <laughs> I'm a little ornery this this t- tonight. Uh oh <laughs>
1: The
0: ornery's not good. No, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. It depends. Yeah. It depends. It depends. You know, most of my um my displeasure, I believe you would probably refer to it as started Saturday night. <laughs> and it was funny because I'll be honest, I really wasn't sure what to expect from Maximum Security. Um, I've seen a lot of his works. I saw a lot of his works firsthand here, when he was trained by um, the now infamous Jason Service, and he trained him in a in a really unique manner. Notwithstanding all the allegations, he really he trained him very very lightly. He did a lot of. Um, fast gallops and his works were barely works, and they were short. and And he really didn't. It, it was kind of a different way of doing things. And you know, Bob Baffert trains like a hundred and eighty degrees the other way. He trains very, like, very hard. Fast, fast, fast. Yes, yes, and he does. And he's. It's not a criticism of of either method. It's just totally different. And the horse had been, you know. Extremely successful, not being drilled, and when you watch his works, he's, you know, he's not a great workhorse, and he's been using, um, you know, prompters as he mostly is. He usually does most most of Bafford's horses that work uh, further than five eighths are are in company. And, I mean, he's not the smoothest going horse, and he never really has been. And, you know, coming into this race off of the Saudi Arabia layoff with the trainer change, with the coast change, with the training change, with a different jockey, it just was kind of, um, you know, and on a surface that that is a little bit, can be a little bit quirky and has been pretty slow, I didn't know what to expect and honestly the race the way it was run was I mean I didn't think that that's how it was going to go as, as it did but um, but I don't know <laughs> you know I was it, it was kind of odd that you, you a horse wins but everyone immediately like thinks that they didn't it. run that- well and you know, when you consider all the, the changes that were made in the long layoff, this horse is that was the second race since last November. He was carrying 127 pounds. That's, that was the big thing for me. And the one thing that I kind of read between the lines a little bit going into the race, and I didn't have enough balls to bet against them, obviously, would have lost anyways. But um, I I mean, I didn't bet the race. But uh, when you have when when you think that a big favorite's going to be vulnerable, you know, it's always a great time to to take a chance um, to bet. But um, you know, Baffert was kind of hedging a little bit before the race, saying you know he's not a great workhorse and
1: yeah, he was kind of bashing him. I thought yeah, yeah. I, I felt that he, he didn't give him a good review, so to speak. I mean, he was saying he was lazy, he didn't want to work, and, you know, it it took him a lot of effort. And I I guess that a lot of that is attributed to uh, Baffert's training style, like you were referring to. Like, you know, he he wants him to run fast. He's just not that kind of horse in the morning, obviously. Um, I I don't know if if Bob will adjust his training accordingly, especially for the next race, Um, you know, the Pacific Classic, but I, I was very impressed With what I saw um, he, he went through a lot of things Like you, you mentioned uh, The race shape itself um, You know, looked one way on paper Then, you know, you, you get uh, One horse that passes him early Which kind of shocked me um, Then he had to come out and around And then he gutted out A, a really good victory After a pretty decent layoff um, You know not to mention what was in his system prior to. Um, you know, there was a lot of things he overcame, and I, I just really enjoyed that performance. I really enjoyed the race. Um, I'm, I was in the same camp as you. I didn't bet on it, but um, it, it was good to see him come back like that. I thought it was a good performance. I wasn't going to drag him through the mud for, for just barely winning. Um, I just thought it was a really good performance, and, and hopefully it seems like he can he – can, kind of step forward off of
0: that too so you know i think that there's so many unaddressed issues in, in the sport of horse racing and the drugs and those situations obviously are the the chief driver of rumors and innuendos and, and things like that and now we have a, a situation where uh, a trainer you know two prominent trainers but in this particular Particular case, a prominent trainer has has been uh, arrested by the FBI and charged with things that people had insinuated he was doing, and now he's in the hands of another trainer who has his fair share of issues, issues. medication-wise, um, albeit legal medications, but but there's been a a, a lot of, of violations. And, of course, anyone that's as successful as Baffert's been, there's always going to be um, people that are suspicious of that. And I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm not saying they're right either. I I will say that it's kind of um, laughable to me that people think that they can watch a race and tell if a horse has been drugged or not
1: been a big believer in that myself it's, I, it's hard i mean people look at the past performances and see a dramatic turnaround but you know that could be due to a whole lot of things that we don't know about um well i'm not
0: anything, really even talking I about don't know anything i don't know anything i don't claim to know anything
1: about that i only know what i see and and how things go um i i've never been a big you know uh conspiracy theory kind of person In that regard, you know, I'd like to think everybody isn't cheating, but all the signs say people are. So I'm not going to say pinpoint and say, hey, this guy's cheating because I think he is. I'm just going to kind of evaluate it in an individual basis by trainer by trainer, what they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, But some people, you know, you get the extremists, you know, people that think everybody's cheating, which is probably closer to the truth. Um. And then you get the people like, well, nobody's been caught. So you really can't say anything. So it's a, it's a conundrum that the industry itself could remedy by being more transparent, um, and, and and being proactive with these things. But it's kind of like a knee jerk reaction. And then depending on who gets caught with what, when they kind of, you know, kind of go with the, the punishments or, um, things like that very lightly or heavily, depending on who it is. I mean, uh, Richard Dutrow still can't get his license back um, for something other guys have been getting away with for years. So, you know, it, it's it's just a, a bad look, integrity-wise, for the industry, and it's it, it's just something they got to clean up or, or figure out what they're going to do about it, um, because it's coming, kind, of, kind of coming to the point where, you know, like anybody that has been on Twitter for 20 minutes with horse racing Twitter, it's just a bunch of Everybody thinking everybody's cheating from jockeys to trainers to grooms to owners. Everybody, somebody's in on something, and that's not good. When when you see that kind of thing,
0: no. The problem is that a guy can say, "Well, oh, that horse, you know, the, that guy's winning thirty percent. He's losing seventy <laughs> percent." And and you know the truth. You know the truth of the matter is, and I'll, and I'll be frank with people: people cheat. They do. Yeah. People cheat in everything. And that's not condoning anything. But the problem that horse racing has is nobody knows what the fucking rules are. And that's part of the problem. And no one gives a shit. And the people on Twitter actually care more than the people that are in the game. The people in the game care about getting paid. They want to get their paychecks they don't want to fix the game because a lot of them don't love it because they're just doing it for a living and when you're following the sport from from the outside you're, you're doing it because you really like it because you care about it and that's not always the case especially with regulators and people like that the problem we have is that everybody thinks everything's fixed and first of all, let me just explain this to you. Most of the people in this business are freaking stupid, including trainers. Okay, and I don't even go. I don't even go into jockeys. That doesn't mean that there's not races that probably have been fixed. I'm not saying they're not, but. Every single time anything happens, you can't jump off the ship and say, oh, my God, this thing's over and this and this and this. You know, Swift Hitter today was fucking... Un- it was ridiculous what he was saying. that He actually believes that the Sronach Group would take money out of a pool and put a winning pick-six ticket in after the fact to try to, to, to siphon off money from betters. I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing. They should put him in a, They should take him away... <laughs> In, in a, a a straight jacket, yeah, was, you're talking about QAnon a billion dollar corporation <laughs> having actively having executives or whoever it would be that would be doing these things commit felonies to to make a few you know. Listen, you own the Stronic Group. A hundred thousand dollars is chump change. They spend yeah, they nothing. spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on stupid parties for the Pegasus. They're not going to commit. Uh, you know, major felonies to to try to do this, but this is right. the, this it's is not
1: worth this it is, is the problem
0: I'm... with Twitter and social media is one thing leads to another, leads to another, and then people say, you know, well, you know, geez, this, uh, 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 uh. no, stop, stop the insanity.
1: Yeah, that that was some QAnon stuff, um, you know, deep state <laughs> craziness, but I, I I I can understand his mentality, though, you know i might not agree with what you know the 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 actuals of what he was saying about this certain specific situation but i can understand him being skeptical and and that's that's really the problem that the industry has is because it's easy for somebody to be skeptical of what's going on um based on you know all the factors. And like you said, it's, it's somebody's paycheck. They don't care. And it's not like the betters are letting up if the betting and, and, and the people weren't putting money through the windows somehow, some way, then they might, uh, you know, really take it a little bit more seriously than they do right now.
0: No, I, I, I agree. And I mean, the thing is this, you have anybody that can, a lot of things just come down to math. Anybody that has any uh, understanding of math understands that jackpot bets are really not good in the long run. That, yes, they give the track a big bonus to to pay out. They give them a big ticket to give out. They they give them something to market, blah, blah, blah. It helps their, you know, drives some phony handle numbers up. Great. But in the end, you're taking so much money out of action for so long, it's not a good thing. The problem is, that when you have big carryovers, guys are gonna play because this is what they're in the game for to try to make mm-hmm. a big score. It's like hot dogs. Everybody knows that eating hot dogs is not good for you. You shouldn't eat hot dogs. Uh,
1: Joey Jaws. But Joey Chestnut doesn't believe that.
0: Joey Chestnut is a true American hero, but he is exempt from this conversation. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is that the people are gonna keep playing them, and they're yep. not gonna go away. And the executives are going to look at these things, and they're going to say, "Well, Chuck, well, you know, why would I take away bet?" And look, look, the other day they handled you know twelve twelve million dollars, and look at this last uh, the, the the Sunday of the previous year we handled six million total. Because they're only looking at the short term, because they're trying to stay employed. It's not their position in their mind to look globally. They're not taking the the, the macro view of, of of what we should be doing for the good of horse racing. They're looking at it from their own particular bottom line, and and that's that's an issue. And I'm not saying that there's not jockeys that don't do things, because there are. I wouldn't doubt it at all. But it's not nearly as much or as bad as people would think, especially at the top level, because those guys are making tons of money. They're making money. money. Yeah. Of, and they're not a bunch of Mensa members. And you have to get a mo, so many people involved that it, the, the one thing about a racetrack is it's hard to keep too many secrets.
1: And no, and, definitely. I mean, every every other race, you can see it, you know, where a horse gets bent down or, you know, especially in like, you know, those high level uh, main special weights at, at like Saratoga where word is out on a horse and he gets bet down to even money uh, from like an eight to one morning line. Everybody knew. So, you know, it, 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 like you said, it's, it's very difficult to keep a secret. It, the you track, know, the, the,
0: the odds changes in the race is something that has to be dealt with. <sighs> I don't gross. know. I don't know how. And I'm not smart enough to, to be able to say that, okay, this is what we should do. Because I, I know that Locking the 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 windows too early, early. Is, yeah, going, is, too. is is going to be a, a yeah it's it's not the uh, it's not the answer I don't believe I um, most I think most tracks are, are are cycling on like ten seconds now so um, one of the problems that kind of snuck up on the industry as a whole is the the big players betting directly into the pools and they're here to stay they're not going away so it's just like when people always say well you know what we really need we really need a national you know blah 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 well we're not getting it so let's stop pretending that we are, it's it's virtually impossible. It's far fetched. So, so so same thing with acting like we're going to start cutting off the the batch players. They're not. They're here to stay, and that's all there is to it. But there's been a couple guys on Twitter who are really sharp guys who who make great points. And one of the points that was made um a couple of weeks ago was that. It's hard enough to win in this business, and when your price gets sawed in half during the race, it makes it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you're winning and I thought that was a, a very um, a very good way of putting it. It's one of the things that i I bitched about with the stewards. I've been bitching about I've been bitching about and at stewards for 20 years. Twenty years, at least, and and uh, but listen, I, I got fined for arguing with stewards, and I was right, and they still find me. But to me, it was always a, a worse issue than even drug positives, because most drug violations don't have anything to do with the outcome of the race. And that's something that people just don't understand. And the business does a shitty job of explaining that. That you can say whatever you want. I know more about horses than almost all of you. I know more about medications than almost all of you. And guess what? Lidocaine isn't going to make those horses run better. It just isn't. Not at those levels. So you can bitch at Bob Baffert all you want. But the fact of the matter is, his ridiculous scenario, it's probably actually true. And most of the things that people get caught with or for, they're not smoking guns. They're really not. The truth of the matter is, of all the medication positives I've heard about in, in the last uh, recent times, the one thing that actually works the best is the stuff that Joe Sharp was giving, and they basically slapped him on the wrist. That medication helps horses. I know that for a fact.
1: That's that's what I've heard. I mean, you know, and it, it's hard for somebody like me to understand because, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm more on the the betting side of things, um, and and you see these reports from the stewards or or the the suspensions that are handed down, and, and you see some of the reports, and it's it's like Greek to me. I, I mean, you could tell me anything. I, I know what lidocaine is because people use it, um, but other than that, you know, you you give me a name of any kind of drug and I'd be like, oh, what does it do? And there's, like you said, there's no clear way of knowing. Um,
0: Listen, I'm going to tell you a story, okay? Yeah. Thankfully, the statute of limitations has run out. (laughs) Way, way back when I first started training for Mr. Ramsey. He wanted to win this stupid high, high hope steeplechase day race out at the farm or out at um, the the out at the Kentucky Horse Park and he had some old cheap horse they were training out at the um, at the farm and we we had uh, we had sent the horse in there a couple of weeks earlier and told him you know kind of how to train the horse and what the horse was going to do the horse is actually a pretty good horse everybody else is running five claimers and this horse, I think we claimed him for like 30 at Goldstream. So he had some issues. And I talked to a vet. And I said, what about this horse? You know, what, what, what about this horse? He's going to run two miles. He got the issues. And he was a harness vet. And they came and they gave him a bunch of stuff. And <laughs> he said, is there testing for this race? I said, there's no testing. So... They came in, he treated the horse. horse had some breathing issues, had some ish- uh, other little issues. The horse won by about 90 lengths. <laughs> <laughs> so there's stuff that you can give horses that's going to move them up. The problem is they test for it. And most of the stuff that that, that there's testing for, um, the, the things that come up positive, they're just regular mundane medications that, that everybody gets. They just... They just were given, uh, the horse didn't metabolize it correctly or, 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 you know, there was a mistake made in the barn. But they're not the smoking gun hay, you know, elephant juice. Like, uh, I'll tell you another quick story. There was a horse, a standard bred. This was back, this was back in the 90s, the early 90s. And this horse was was dominating out in the Midwest, in Chicago. Best, best, best horse out there older horse guys in New York bought the horse I think they paid like a $100, dollars 125000 which at that time was an exorbitant <laughs> amount of money Yeah. they got the horse they sent it to the top one of the top trainers in the country put the horse in the trainer says you know the horse doesn't train very good but you know who knows maybe he's just uh, one of those old horses that you know shows up on race day so they put the horse in the race the horse goes off like 2 to 5 and gets beat 20 lengths. Doesn't never never picks up his feet at all. So they they make some adjustments, they do some stuff, they move some equipment, they treat the horse different, blah, blah, blah. Run the horse back, nothing. Run the horse back a third time, nothing. So they finally <laughs> break down and, and and call the people out, out in the Midwest and said, Listen, we can't get this horse to, to do anything. I mean, the horse back then, uh, you know, was probably pacing, and f- the the best horses would go in fifty six. Not like it is now, and this horse was going in fifty nine. So it, he was barely breaking two minutes. They wind up selling him back to the connections in in Chicago for pennies on the dollar. A couple weeks later, the horse is in out there. Outstanding form. zooms right back to the lead. Bang, bang, <laughs> bang, bang. Years later, Trainers talks to the guy who drove the horse. And I'm not going to say anybody's names because it's not really fair, but um, he said to the guy, he goes, you know, I really wanted to ask you about this horse. What the hell was the deal with that horse? That, that we, we couldn't get that horse to, to do anything. Like, nothing, nothing. I mean, it wasn't like he was just you know a couple lengths off he he was 15 lengths 20 lengths worse and the and the guy laughed and he says yeah you know that guy got busted for for a torphine elephant juice that's what they were giving the horse elephant juice it's a torphine you would give like a quarter of a cc like a tiny amount and and it would it was used to I knock an elephant horse. out but it would make a horse run through they would run through a, a concrete wall when they had this, and and this was a, uh, you know, this was a horse whose form was literally twenty lengths better with with this stuff than, than it was than it wasn't. So when I see someone get a lidocaine positive, I'm not gonna get really worked up about it. Right? You know, it's, it's, it's not knowing what you know. It's not yeah. it's not one of those things, and and it's just um, but 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 I will say but like you said. From your see, from your standpoint, how are you supposed to know? How are you supposed to know? How, racing does a terrible job of explaining these things, and it, it, it's it's you get conspiracy theories when people don't understand why things happen, and and that's where we're at. People don't understand why why things happen, and when someone can watch maximum security, overcome all that he did and still win and then come up you know turn your TV off thinking oh the horse wasn't juiced today and it's like wow what what does the horse have to do you know he, he's a good horse but he's not freaking secretariat you know he got beaten the freaking Pegasus last year not, not the big Pegasus the, the bullshit Mammoth Pegasus he lost that race
1: for a day. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. Like I said, he, he's a good horse. He, don't get me wrong. But, you know, he, he's not the second coming of of, uh, of uh, spectacular bid here. And
1: he, Okay, so I, I have a question for you. Yes. Now, with those guys and, and the stuff with the drug talk and, and Navarro and service, I mean, I'm not a big subscriber into this theory that, you know, all their horses are not going to run well because they're not in their care. Um, is there any merit to that sort of thing? Or is it just like, you know, case by case? Or would you blankly be like, oh, well, you know, these guys were trained them, then they're probably not going to be good now that they're with somebody else.
0: I mean, listen, most of the time, I would say the horses that left those guys' barns, would not find a whole lot of success in other people's barns. If nothing had happened, if no one had been arrested, if if it was, you know, things is normal, you would think that. But that's true in a lot of other people's... Um, right, it happens. There's I a mean, lot of other people... The that that, there's, a, a, there's, a, there's a lot of other guys that win high percentages <laughs> of horses leave their barn don't do so great either. And can you say that, well, you know, they're just... Uh, they're just the next guys that might wind up with the cuffs slapped on them? Well, maybe. They could be. But I know this. A friend of mine bought a horse off of Jason. And and listen, Jason Service was in the same barn with me for four years. I requested him being in the barn with me the last year I trained because he, he runs a good ship and his guys did their work and his assistants did a good job and, and they were easy people to get to be in, in, in a barn with because everything was... was uh, there was no chaos there was you know they took care of the horses properly. They didn't steal your stuff you know It wasn't that from the outside looking in, you wouldn't see it. They didn't leave a bunch of bottles with with skulls and crossbones out. It wasn't like there was uh, you know smoke rising up from the feed tubs or anything. Um, so I, I mean I, I'll say that, but a friend of mine bought a horse from him a couple years ago. And I said to him, I said, "You sure you want to do that?" And he goes, "Well, you know, he's a, you know, uh, you know, he's telling me the truth about the horse." I said, "Yeah, I know all that." And I said, "I'm not doubting that at all." I said, "But the horse isn't running very good now, and if he's not running good for that guy, how are you going to do any good with him?" And he's he bought the horse anyways. And after two starts, he said the same thing, you know, like, "I should have listened to you. This horse, I can't get the horse." Through. I said, "Yeah, you know," but. You know, I think the proof is in the pudding, and 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 you look at the the numbers, and and they are what they are. And uh, I mean, these guys were arrested for for doing stuff, so yeah, of there's course, something there. In in America, you know, it's it's innocent to proven guilty, but but um, there's just in in Navarro's case, there's just so many horses that moved up so dramatically and then when they left his barn went downhill so dramatically uh that that's that's one of those signs it was it was like in the old days it was funny because uh, if if social media was around during the days of oscar people would be going they they, would have they would have shot themselves i mean they couldn't they would jump off bridges when he would take one and you know for twelve five and run it back three days later in a three other allowance race and the horse would gallop and he'd be three to five, but um, the point is that we've got we've blurred the line so much between what's a legitimate good performance and what's a, a, a drug induced performance that you almost can't blame people. For being confused and for being cynical and and you know like I just can't um, I just can't stress enough that uh, that we need a lot stronger uh, oversight, but not not oversight, not even oversight. We need the racetracks themselves to take a much bigger role in this. If you had, if you if you control your own product, if you get control of it, you won't need the regulators to be the big stick. You can handle it yourself, and that doesn't happen anymore. And that and that that that's an issue. And part of the problem is that. And, and again, people will say, all right, here he goes again. But you have trainers that are too powerful and too strong. They have too many horses. They 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 control too much, and the tracks. They're 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 loath to bring those guys down. It. They allow it. Listen, if 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 I get a guy and I go back to training horses and I start winning forty two percent and my big <laughs> owner is betting fifty thousand dollars a week or a hundred thousand dollars a week through their, yeah, their nobody's gonna say. Guess nothing. What? Exactly. Because it takes money out of their pocket. The problem is this is that it's short term thinking. And that's what racing has done forever. And it's all gonna come to a head at some point. I mean, we can't think that this bubble is gonna last forever. And I don't know if people, people don't think about these type of things, but casinos are not doing well. A lot of our purse money is based on casinos. Right, when they're down, we're, we're down. When the purse money starts going down, And I know a lot of people are like, well, fuck them guys. Who cares about them owners? Blah, blah, blah. The problem is this. Is that if there's not enough quality horses to bet on, the product starts to sink. And that's already happening. It's already happening. And I know the pandemic has played a part in Saratoga. For sure. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: But New York Racing has major structural issues that need to be dealt with. And some of them are are not even in Naira's hands. All the labor board stuff and the workman's comp stuff, they've they've done a pretty good job on. State government, yeah. But when you have, when when the the gap between the haves and have-nots has gotten so great that it's the same seven or eight guys in every stake, every one, every single one, it just gets to be monotonous. And it gets to be the guys aren't going to run against themselves. And that's why you, you get four-horse stake races and five-horse stake races. And, and it's not that they, you know, that's never been, you know, Secretary won the Belmont. I think there was five horses in the race. It's not like every single race for, throughout history has had a dozen, you know, standing room only field. The problem is this is the norm now. This isn't the. This isn't the outlier. The norm is a five-horse field, and the quality of the racing has just been been weak. And I get that there's there's issues with the Kentucky guys, especially not coming up, but maybe the Kentucky guys are going to start staying there. Maybe they're going. Well,
1: that's that's what's going on now. I mean, I, I don't know if you've been paying attention to Indiana Grand, but their cards have been completely stellar since all this happened and, and you know it seems like the, the, the people haven't been going to Saratoga like in a normal quote unquote normal year and it's boosted their cards I mean they, they've had some great cards I mean even during the week um, so you know it, it, it's kind of like you know it, it's one of those things it's a, it's a give and take um, especially when you know, this is kind of an extreme situation where their hands were forced. They had to make a decision. It wasn't like, oh, they had all these options. Right. Um, so, you know, once this stuff kind of balances out, like you said, people might have a change in mindset and may not be willing to, to, to venture up to, to Naira or, you know, um, places like that that may boost other smaller tracks in, in a way that they haven't seen, you know, lately. But a lot of the things in the industry, I like to to kind of do the the free throw percentage analogy where you have a free throw shooter who let's say shoots at 80% but in the fourth quarter under 2 minutes only shoots 40%. Then you have another guy that's probably a 70% shooter but in crunch time he's 80-90% and it's like the the industry has that that kind of situation it's like well would you rather have the the fluff of the guy that's shooting 80% in the first 3 quarters and then less in the in the in the fourth or would you want the guy that that's there when it counts and they're up against that kind of situation even though you know like you said they fluff the numbers you know the handle oh yeah we're doing great we're doing great but there's a lot of inherent problems there and slowly but surely that's gonna erode some of that luster over time and then you know what's their contingency plan then and and it looks like you know especially with this COVID thing should have you know turned on the light switch and be like oh man we got to do something like this this is crazy but like you said the the short-sightedness is is preventing that and and they're just going into those same bad habits and just like, oh, well, it, it's about now, not the long run. And that's, that's terrible thinking. It's terrible thinking for betters. You want to think of the long run. You don't want to think of the short term. And, you know, it, it's that kind of stuff that, that sinks ships and, and it's unfortunate that nobody sees it. I mean, you do and, and you, you basically scream on every mountaintop you can get on, but it's like if the people, quote unquote upstairs, don't realize it then it's
0: never going to change you're right and and i mean i've been screaming for more than 15 years about a lot of things and nothing changes i'm not saying that anyone should listen to me but they should listen to what i have to say and i'm saying it because i see it from both sides, or, or, or actually sometimes more than two sides. And listen, is not the only problem, place that's going to have an issue with racing. The, the southern tracks in the wintertime are going to have a, an issue with racing. If Turfway actually Excellent. gets up and running as a, a legitimate track and the, they pump the purses up, then what you'll have in Florida, at least, is a lot of Kentucky trainers just bringing the horses they want to, to uh, you know, give a little time off to leg up, and maybe make one start and get them ready for the Keeneland meet, and the ones they want to keep racing will stay up at a turfway and run, and that that'll that'll affect the fairgrounds as well. The fairgrounds is a little bit more insulated because of, they have so many Louisiana breads over there and those guys run Louisiana breads like standard breads. They run them every every week. Every week. Yep. Yeah. You know, so so they might be in a little bit better spot, but but you, you run into issues down here and Tampa has become a, a viable option and when you add turfway and you add turfway's potential purses, which will be a lot more than what Goldstream will be offering. Some of these guys are, are going to to go uh, to stay, and and you know perhaps some of the guys that are here in the summertime might say, "Hey, maybe I'll go to Turfway in the winter and run for the big money, and get away from you know these this this the winter racing and.
1: Right, the big outfits, you know, the, the Pletcher's and the Chad Browns and all the big outfits and go somewhere where they're not. I mean, it makes sense. It's good business.
0: You know, there's so many problems in this business that people don't even know about. And one of the problems that I hear about a lot, and I, and I talk to a lot of trainers, and I talk to owners too, but I talk to a lot of trainers, and I'm telling you, I hear it more often, and this isn't just, just down here. It's not always just, you know, the problems I talk about, they're not just Florida problems. They're, they're problems everywhere. In that guys cannot find races for their horses, and it's it's a problem because as the the foal crops shrink and as the population declines, certain races will be tougher and tougher and tougher to, to fill. I mean, we cannot get two turn dirt races to fill just about anywhere. Um, you're going to you can always get cheap claimers to fill, always. You can always get uh, cheap grass claimers to fill but outside of that it gets really dicey and racetracks have figured out that if they have a 12 horse field full of $12,000 horses the people are going to bet more than if you had a a 6 horse field full of allowance horses and it's just it's just math so and a lot of times they're going to table uh, a higher class race, unless you know there's one of those influential trainers who get always gets his ways in the race, we have to let them go, and it becomes a problem when a a, a decent owner gets a decent horse and he suddenly doesn't have anywhere to run them, and that that's that's been a problem for a while, but it's getting worse, and as um, opportunities shrink. It um, it'll it'll continue to be a bigger and bigger problem, you know. The, sometimes people think, well, if we just have less tracks, then we'll have more horses. But that that's not necessarily the truth because if you close the Pennsylvania circuit, okay, say you take you take Parks, Penn National, and 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 Isle and close all those tracks. All right, those horses will mostly filter to Laurel, to Charlestown, to Ohio. They're not going to help Belmont, <laughs> you know? No, because they, they're not the
1: same thing.
0: It, it, it's, it's not going to help Southern California. It's not, it's not going to help Gulfstream. And that's the thing, is that it's not like if you contract um, – the Marlins should be contracted, by the way, because Derek Jeter sucks. He's a shitty <sighs> executive, and look what he's done. He's ruined baseball this year. Thank you, Jeter. But, you know, if you contract um, ten Major League Baseball teams – well, for the most part, those guys—that—that's uh, two hundred and fifty major league players that'll will be um, circulated amongst the other teams. So the actual quality of player would be better. But in horse racing, there's so many layers, and yes, if the Southern California circuit was eliminated, it would help Belmont. It would help. It would help uh, Gulfstream. It would help Kentucky. Because they have a lot of good horses there. But that's the thing, is is that some tracks, you know, going out of business, they're, they're not going to help other right, tracks. Right, it's
1: not interchangeable. All right. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I was under that, that impression a while ago, and you, you kind of set me straight on that, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's like, you know, the, the minor leagues, <laughs> you shut down the minor leagues, it's not helping really anybody. Right
0: now in the major leagues, it's, it's just not. It, they just don't equate. Put it this There's way: a
1: reason why those those guys are playing in the minors and not in the
0: major leagues. Put it this way: Do you think a guy who's got a horse at Penn National who's good enough to win at Belmont wouldn't already be racing them there? Correct. And they, they the totally other the, because... the other part that, that just is is sticker shock for people is that at a lot of these smaller tracks, and I'm not talking about uh, like the. You know the sea level tracks. I'm not talking about Belterra. I'm talking about <laughs> um, you know even pl- tracks like Mammoth. There's a the lot of, tra- of types, yeah. there's a lot of trainers that are charging sixty five dollars a day to train horses. You can't do it for sixty five a day. You cannot. It's got charging seventy a day. If you're charging seventy a day, you're cheating somewhere. You ain't paying your workman's comp or. You're you're stealing, you're stealing feed, or you're, yeah, it. You just you, you know you, you can't do it, and and the big outfits are getting one hundred and twenty five, one hundred and thirty five, one hundred and forty five a day. And if you think that these guys at these smaller tracks, these owners are gonna start paying double to have their horse trained, you're nuts. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. So the contraction of the game, which is is currently happening and has been happening for a long time. It's an issue that no one wants to talk about, and it's going to eventually squeeze out some some um, some owners in that they just simply can't get their horses raced, and they don't want to have cheap horses, and they can't afford top horses, so <laughs> they leave. It's hap- it happened to me. A lot of my owners, they felt comfortable that I could go buy them $25,000 yearlings and we could turn out good horses and and, and they'd be competitive yes we weren't thinking we were going to win the Kentucky Derby but we got a couple stake horses buying horses at that level and we got some good horses and yeah we got some that aren't so good but a lot of guys now they look and they say we have no chance with those type of horses we have no chance they look at a six horse race at Saratoga and and six of them are are either uh, you know six hundred thousand dollar yearlings or four hundred thousand dollar two year old trainings, or they buy hundred and fifty thousand dollar stallions. They're homebreds, and they say, well, how am I supposed to compete with my twenty five thousand dollar yearling? And the truth of the matter is, can't. You, you can't. <laughs> you, you can't. It, it's just like the NCA tournament. Every year, everybody loves the upsets in the in the, in the early rounds, right? Everybody loves when uh, who ends up in the final four? Yeah. And, and, always major exactly the the best teams always wind up winning, and a lot of those teams can can win a game or two games but
1: and some get lucky and they go they go far but like we, you said usually it's it's the kentuckys the the Kansases of the world that 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 always get
0: there i mean we, we don't have horses now like lost code, a horse who was trained by a small guy, a small trainer who 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 went around picking off um a bunch of 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 smaller stakes until the horse deserved the big time shot and 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 he showed that he was actually that type of horse but those horses they they don't even seem to exist anymore because no, the big no. trainers have them too and it it makes it it makes it difficult and and it's i mean I and, again, I know COVID's very, very easy to blame everything on, but we're looking at a four-horse derby prep um, in California this weekend. Uh, I don't know what the Travers is going to look like, um, but I'm guessing they're not going to need the auxiliary gate. <laughs> the, 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 14-horse I, 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 I will say that, that if, if my namesake does come east, uh, Uncle Chuck... To, uh, that's that's what I heard. The plan is Th- that that'll that'll add some intrigue to that race for sure. But um, it's uh, and I know this has been like a forty-five minute dreadfest and of all negativity. But um, no,
1: but it's good to have that that kind of conversation. Like you said, they they're not have nobody's having this conversation, especially at the higher levels, and, and you know it gives a perspective for even you know the 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 Twitter. Horse players to to think about and and give them perspective on the game. Um, But the more these kind of things get brought up, you know, I I guess you can only hope that someone will pick it up and kind of run with it somewhere to to make some kind of change. Anything.
0: Well, they listened to us about the jockeys,
1: (laughs) they definitely did. They had to, because it was immediately the day after, not even 24 hours after that. All those changes, everything
0: that we said came out. That was that was so funny. But uh, Shout out to Naira for listening to us. You know, I, I was... Listen, I know who I am as a person. You know what I mean? I'm not exactly Mr. Smiley. I'm not exactly the, always the, the glasses half full person. But I'm not, like, totally, I'm not, you know like doom and gloom totally 24/7. doom and gloom but these days it's more and more difficult to go on social media Oof. and yeah, not just like the political people are sick people if you if you <laughs> if you put up 20 uh, posts a day about politicians you have a freaking problem seriously you yeah. should seek help No one gives a shit. You got one vote. Nobody gives a shit who you vote for. I don't care who you vote for. They're all scumbag politicians. They're all paid by the same people. The special interests pay everybody. In the end, they don't give a shit about you. So stop. Pay attention to something else. And it's really been one of the problems in a person's life like mine where I pay attention to sports because it's something to watch. It's something to to pay attention to, and I like it and not having them has made it where unbearable you know <laughs> Especially the, on social the, media. the political social media is, is is off the charts ridiculous now horse racing social media has gotten to be like i mean people fighting i mean how bad is it when someone makes a fake leky person and, and starts making sexual innuendos i mean what is the world coming to and i think lecky probably should just go heal like a wrestler and just go bad and and, and run with it and just, do, just start doing yes stuff just just, just right say all kinds of obnoxious <laughs> things and Boy, a, man, at, at it, least it, it would it be world, at least it would be interesting but man it's like horse racing has gotten to be complete conspiracy theory 24 hours a day seven days a week everybody's criticizing it including myself and and now jeter ruined baseball so baseball is probably dead And
1: well he ruined the whole state of florida to be honest
0: and and well he's he's (laughs) honestly the the guy is, is he was a great player but he's a nightmare he probably he's, pro- he's probably going to a TRO against me. <laughs> he, may be, he may be in tune with the Naira people that hurt us. Yeah. Maybe he's this right now. Yes, Jeter, you suck. But um, um, it's man, it's it's just like tough to watch, and it's tough to find any glimmer of of hope. Thank God the NBA's in the bubble, man. I was gonna
1: say thank goodness for Lou Williams, man.
0: Oh, uh, he's keeping it real. <laughs> Got, Williams'
1: Twitter was great this, today.
0: <laughs> you know, one of the greatest things was that they someone had done a, a profile on him in April, and Magic City Strip Club was what he said in April was his favorite restaurant. <laughs> he wasn't lying. No, he wasn't <laughs> lying. He actually really likes it there. Well, and you know what? I mean, he, he's got to do his ten days. He'll do his time. He'll do his time. But I mean,
1: but those wings, those wings were worth it.
0: Hey man, the guy's living in the bubble, you know. But
1: I, 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 hey man, I I lived in that area over by Disney. I mean, you don't want to be in that bubble. Oh. It's too happy, and and you know I'm not the most negative person ever, but it's too happy for me. So <laughs> I, I I can understand him wanting to get out, or or be isolated, or do something other than what they were doing. So it's interesting to see what happens with this season uh, come Friday. But, you know, the way baseball is, I, I guess, you know, the, the Naira approach that, <laughs> that the NBA took or vice versa is, is the way to go because MLB just kind of – MLB,
0: they screwed themselves up. By by arguing yeah, no over bubble. by spending all that time arguing over how much money people are going to get paid, and in the end they're all going to lose. Yep. Listen, the NBA did a great job, and I, I laugh when I see people say, "Oh well, I'm not watching the NBA because they put Black Lives Matter on the floor." It's like, "Hello, have you seen NBA players? Right. Don't you think that might be a big 90, issue for them?" 95
1: percent. Of the
0: dudes. The best was a guy today said he's not watching the WNBA anymore because they, they walked off for the national anthem. And I'm thinking to myself, did you really watch it before? Because right. nobody watches really? the WNBA. I, Seriously. You know, I,
1: the only time I ever watched the WNBA is when I lived in Massachusetts and the race book at Mohegan Sun used to give me free tickets. And I'd go. And then, you know, go hang out for a weekend basically
0: and, you know, and you know, there's always a, listen if, if you get tickets to something it's uh, it's different than watching it on television especially in, in sports you is. know it's you go nice there experience. you eat something you hang out a little while you know it's but it, it's just um they did a great job they, they 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 studied they researched the issue they didn't try to rush it because when i when they first announced it remember they first announced this in the beginning of june that it wouldn't yeah, even right. be starting to till, till the end of July and I was like wow that's a lot of time but they they made decisions that that were smart and um the guys had to sacrifice and and it, and it is a sacrifice and I know they make a lot of money but you know you're you're living um in you know for for, for the teams that that keep winning the guys are going to be in there for 3 months and they're not going to see their families and they're not going to see uh, anyone else. And they, there's only so many things that, that those guys can do. and, and you That's know, what I'm
1: saying. You're going to get worn out. That's that's why it's going to be interesting, especially come, quote-unquote, playoff time, what this is really going to look like.
0: It, it is. And, and honestly, I, I think that people who think that there should be an asterisk are nuts. It, it's just like the Triple Crown this year. The Triple Crown harder. is hard.
1: <laughs> it might be harder if, to if, do it in the bubble.
0: If the Triple Crown wasn't the way it is, there'd be no uncle Chuck's this year, and he's a rapidly improving horse, and he's got a great name, but he's a rapidly improving horse for a trainer that seriously obviously knows how to do this and and he he might be um he might be the main danger to tis tis the law and if the triple crown was held may, as, as, as usual right he he would have never been a part of this and now. Uh, now now this is a horse that Tis the Law has to to deal with and it, it it's still it's hard and Tis the Law has been good since since, since january i mean yeah he's he's running zeros on the thoroughbred time after time after time and i mean right. barkley has just kept a him of
1: time he might stub his
0: toe he's, he's kept that's him. what we were talking about so, last time yeah you're talking about keeping a horse you're you're pointing a horse in january to a race in may and then the race in May suddenly becomes September. That's not the easiest thing to do, and to continue to just train and and race as as well as he has, if he wins these next two races, I, th- this might be harder than a normal Triple Crown. It might be more difficult, and uh, it certainly is a is a is a huge accomplishment. So, I'm sure that we're going to get the negativity, and people are going to be you know the the, the traditionalists that that uh came out like came out of the woodwork for the belmont but um but you know it's racing and i'd rather i'd rather have have debates about that than debates Do about <laughs> our, our track our, our racetracks you know hiring their own people to sabotage their pools and steal money or, or is is uh you know maximum security only won by a nose so he should be retired and you know, th- those those are the ones that really make you crazy. Anyways, Brian, um, Barry, I've taken up quite a bit of your time. And it's late. And I know that uh, you spent a lot of time st- this evening curtain shopping. And I know how difficult that is on on you.
1: So. Bro not even going to get into that or maybe i'll go into a, a a twitter tirade on curtain shopping
0: well, you know you know the one thing about curtains is that it's not like sheets you know you change sheets and it's not like clothes you change clothes curtains are kind of like permanent right you're stuck you, with them you're yeah. stuck with them and and nobody wants to admit that the curtains suck so like you know it's a big move and it's it's important the curtain selection
1: dude i'm over it
0: you know what to do just, just give your wife the credit card and tell her to get well, whatever that's she wants probably the thing because you know what, and that's going to work out best anyways
1: yeah, and I'm just going to be like go buy something online
0: because in the end she's going to buy what she wants to buy anyways
1: right, it's, it's inevitable it's, I guess it's just a softer way of me giving
0: in <laughs> oh, this is another thing listen, we, we need to, to come up with I, I need a as we come up on the end of the show, it was told to me, and and this person is one hundred percent right. She's right that I need like a sign-off line. You know, like that's a good one. I know, and, and and nothing has really come to pass. I mean, I haven't really been able to come up with one. So,
1: do, do, do we take it to the Twitterverse and try to see if somebody come up with? Well, we got a theme song.
0: <laughs> we, ha- we do have a theme song. I just haven't figured out how to put that online yet, but I, I will. I, I'm going to send it to Casey. I'm going to get that get that theme oh, song. Casey will
1: do that in like yeah, 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah,
0: yeah we're going to get that theme song incorporated somehow. But yeah, I think maybe that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll, I, I need a, a sign-off line, and, and uh, we'll put it on Twitter and see what the geniuses come up with.
1: Okay, that's fair. I'm interested to see what, what comes out of it.
0: <laughs> All right, Barry. Well, I appreciate it as always, and um we'll uh, we'll talk during the during the rest of the week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Every time. Anytime, man. Talk to you later. All right. That was Barry Spears. We will um we'll be back tomorrow. I need a I need a line.